0: A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix.
1: Welcome to the Wine and Gold Talk podcast on a Tuesday right around 4 o'clock p.m., Chris Fedor, Joe Varden with you. We'll get to some of your questions. You guys have been sending those in on Twitter, so we appreciate that. Um, but we have to kind of get through this a little bit quickly because you've got a, a flight to board, right, Joe? Big road trip coming up for the Cavs. Important one, for sure.
0: Big road trip, Chris. Uh, you know, six games, five cities. I don't know how many flights. Um, <laughs> and the first one here is, is in a little bit. Uh, but you and I both have been... Busy working and doing all that stuff all day, so this is the time we have, and so
1: we'll we'll do our best. All right, so last night the Cavs got a win against Detroit. It was a big win, 22-point win. Um, they said it was one that they needed before going on this road trip. And then wake up this morning, we have a text from our boss. You had already posted the story on Cleveland.com about what Kevin Love decided to share for the Players' Tribune um, saying that he is somebody who already this year and in the past has dealt with panic attacks. Um, and this is a battle that has been going on for a long time. And Kevin's somebody who's always been very private, he's been reluctant to share too many details about his own personal life, but said that, um, this is a mental health issue that, uh, that is not just one that he's dealing with. It's a stigma preventing professional athletes from discussing, embracing this problem usually. And he wanted to uh, be open and honest about it. So your reaction when you saw this, this Kevin Love penned essay from the player's tribune.
0: Well, Chris, I mean, my reaction honestly was good. Um, I'm glad that Kevin did this. I'm glad he did it this way. Um, I, of course, uh, you know, for, petty and selfish reasons um, I wish that he would have sat down with me uh, mm-hmm. to do it but but listen I mean this is something that uh, people close to the team myself included uh, has have known for a while um, that, that Kevin was dealing with this and um, as I mentioned in my piece today uh, it, at all-star weekend it's like the secret was circulating pretty rapidly to the point where someone not on our beat, you know, someone someone who doesn't work with you and I, Mm. um, asked him during his uh, media availability at All-Star Weekend if he, in fact, um, used uh, cabs-provided mental health personnel. And he said that he did. Mm. Um, And so that kind of raised eyebrows. Um, So, you know, uh, this is something, again, that, that been going on for a while uh, on the team um, it was essentially the root of the incident that for you know uh, for brevity's sake ripped this team apart uh, the January 22nd meeting um, you know the, the panic attacks are why he left the queue and why he was not at practice the next day um, and you know Dwayne and Isaiah like demanding an explanation for where a teammate is um, basically kind of forced Kevin into talking to his teammates about this. Most of them had no idea, and there you have it. Um, So, you know, I'm glad that it's out. I'm glad that he did it his way, and um, it'll be, you know, I I hope that this empowers him uh, and makes him um, a more consistent, confident
1: player on the floor and gets him peace off of it. Yeah, I mean, I think if anything, Joe, this, this could be something that helps Kevin um, take some of that burden off of him, that weight off of his shoulders, allows him to be more open, allows him to be more honest, allows him to maybe be more free now that this is out there and he doesn't have to hide this anymore and he doesn't have to keep this um, from other people. Um, I, I think LeBron mentioned it. Uh, On Twitter, he said, you're even more powerful now than ever before. At Kevin Love, salute and respect, brother. I think, you know, in the past, maybe some of these things that come out in the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, could be looked at a different kind of way. And I think it's kind of shifted with DeMar DeRozan talking about his battle with depression. Now, Kevin being more open about this. I think it shines a light on that these guys are human beings. They're dealing with real problems And even though fans see them as these role models and these stars and these guys who do amazing things nightly, um, and they should be able to just block out everything that's going on in their life and focus on basketball and winning a championship and things like that. It's just another example that there are real issues that these guys are dealing with. And if, if they internalize it too much, it's going to be something that's going to be a burden on them for who knows how long.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great point, Chris. And then, um, I mean, if, if you think about, uh, teammates, basically their chief complaint of Kevin is that he's what? Is that he's soft. Right. And, and so, um, when you apply the stigma of mental health to, to the, the knock on Kevin already, that the, it can be a bad combination. So I think that DeMar DeRozan, coming out, you know, no one would call him soft um, mm-hmm. and, and, and talking about it this way really opened the door for Kevin. So now instead of being viewed as, as soft and, and this is another nail in that coffin, now it's it's almost more revelatory. as in, oh, this is what he's dealing with, um, you know, this explains things. And uh, again, I just I see this is very
1: popular. Um when you talk about it from Kevin's standpoint, what do you think it means for his career moving forward?
0: Well, I, I was wondering about that. I, I, I um, you know, because the, the fact remains now that this is something that's out in the open that people know that that, uh, that other teams know that that he has uh, to deal with. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, if if things go the wrong way here uh, this year on this team, you know, the the Cavs could have looked to move him. That could be more difficult, and then uh, you would. Kevin certainly would think that he's in line for one more big contract, probably not quite as big as the one he's on now, but one more big one. Um, Does does this hurt that? Uh, I mean, those are fair questions. You certainly hope the answer in both cases is no. This has no effect. But um, you know, I think that the teams will do their due diligence to see how he's coping and managing. Because I mean, the fact is, um, these things have cost him at least two games. And uh, so it, it, it has impacted his play, and
1: he and, um, need to show that, that he is, in fact, getting them under control. And it seems, and this is just one person tweeting it, LeBron, a teammate, um, it seems like this is something that his teammates now, when it comes to the Cavs, they'll rally around him. Um, maybe it can help galvanize the team even more. Um, and maybe now some of the the things that that he used to get I don't know that picked on is the the right word but but attacked for or criticized for uh, maybe some of that will start to fade a little bit don't you think?
0: Well, I, I do, Chris. And then the other thing is, like, in their brief times together, where it's just been LeBron and Kevin, they've always been successful yeah um right. you know they, like you know when Kyrie was out and it was just Kevin and and LeBron they played great together and then this year they played great together it wasn't until Isaiah showed up uh, that, that Kevin kind of fell apart and um you know LeBron didn't play as well either so you know they it was those two tearing up the league when they won 19 or 18 and 19 mm-hmm. and and now um with the team with the new team a, a, as currently constructed, they really need Kevin. They need him as that bona fide second scoring threat, um, and, and and so this is great. This is like uh, you know kind of the way, as you said, like to, like kind of a rallying cry, kind of to bring everybody closer together. And here you have like the two stars now that they must have to do anything in the playoffs for real.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, LeBron and Kevin, and and, and kind of a, a way a path forward.
1: Yeah, I think moving on to the basketball and what this means for the Cavs moving forward, just Kevin on the precipice of coming back, coming off that broken bone in his left hand. He's been working out. He's been taking shots. We see him more and more and more. Um, you start to visualize maybe how it's going to look with Nance Jr. next to Kevin Love and how it's going to look with Kevin Love in certain lineups with some of these new guys like Jordan Clarkson, Rodney Hood, and George Hill. Um do you think it's fair to say at this point, everybody knows the reason why nobody's discounting the Cavs is because they've got LeBron, and nobody dictates yeah. terms of a postseason series the way that LeBron does, yeah. but is it fair to say that that the Cavs, and, and whether they get to the NBA Finals or not, will have a direct correlation on whether Kevin can play like an all-star consistently in the postseason?
0: Um, yeah. I'm starting to be... I'm really starting to think that that's true. Um, and, I, and I just think, you know, the, the Raptors are really good. And, like, you're just starting to wonder if, if
1: they have gotten past the part, like, the point where LeBron can beat them on his own. Right, right. And so, yeah,
0: I, I think you're right.
1: So I, I was just thinking about that the other night. Like, this is a different Eastern Conference. This is a different level of competition that the Cavs haven't seen in the past.
0: I think that for the first time in a long, maybe the first time in his whole career, Chris, um, he has not been necessarily that tide that automatically lifts all boats. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, it's hard to figure out exactly why that is because it's not like he's. I mean, he's. I mean, his numbers are great, and he and he he can play with alarming speed, still and power. Um, so I'm not exactly sure why this is I guess I haven't given it enough thought but the bottom line is you're right he's no this year he has been shown uh, to be kind of unable to push a team through some of the problems that that exist I mean he certainly couldn't do it in January Mm -hmm. and even now um, you know these four losses that they had you know they were kind of close or close to times they were in position to win all the games yeah but he could He didn't do it. Yep. Um, and so, yeah. So, so I think more than yeah, more than in years past. Like he needs some of these guys to, to to be able to handle this late.
1: Did you know that one in six Northeast Ohioans struggle with hunger? Many people in Northeast Ohio are forced to make tough choices. Unexpected expenses, prescription costs. And rising heat costs are all things that can prevent people from being able to put food on the table and they are forced to make tough decisions, which often results in hunger. But you can help. Each dollar that you donate to the Harvest for Hunger campaign will result in four meals. So donate today by visiting harvestforhunger.org. Help feed your neighbors. Cleveland.com is a sponsor of the Greater Cleveland Food Bank's Harvest for Hunger campaign. All right, switching over to questions. We've got a bunch of them that came in on Twitter um, Some of them are related to the lineup changes that the Cavs have made recently. Some of them are related to other things off the court. So we'll rip through these, Joe. Uh, This one comes from L.A. Brodus. He says, what can the Cavs do to address the center position specifically? I feel like we are extremely undersized. Uh,
0: I think they are set up the way they want to be. Um, I think think that... Larry Nance gives them the, the kind of player that they want there. Yep. Um, you know, they, they are not, like, the Cavs definitely do not want to be a plotting, you know, hulking team. Um, you know, I, again, they had that guy with Timafei Moskov, and yeah. they didn't need to move off of him, and they did. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they could have brought him back and said he got paid with the Lakers. So, um, you know, that's not the kind of guy they want. Um, you know, Larry, since he came here, averaging 1.3 blocks per game. You don't need anything more than
1: that. Yep. And he's been really good in other aspects defensively, too. Uh, Blake oh, Griffin yeah. was talking about just how his hustle and him defending post-entry passes and boxing out DeAndre Jordan, hitting him first, and all those kinds of things. He's been really good at those little things that I think are showing up more here in Cleveland, in part because the Cavs didn't have dudes that were willing to do those kinds of things and showing up more here in Cleveland than L.A. But about the center position, Tristan Thompson, Ty said, after his press conference, just you know, letting it be known, Tristan's going to be out um, for two weeks. His, his ankle that I saw without the boot last night was really, really, really swollen. Um, yeah. So because of that and because... Jeff Green is dealing with his lower back soreness and Kevin Love remains sidelined. Do you think they're going to go out and, and bring somebody else in to take that roster spot that was occupied by Marcus Thornton and do you think it's going to be a big guy?
0: Well, there's still another roster spot um, and it would be a big guy but the question remains is who. Um, yeah. you know, I haven't, looked, I haven't looked at the available free agents uh, lately. Um, I don't recall Tyson Chandler being bought out. Nope. um, And I don't recall Nerland's Noel being bought out. Right. Um, So, you know, unless one of those two guys hit the market and I'm missing it, um, I don't know that there is a guy out there that they could bring in that could impact um, their rotation and and help them win games in this way. I mean, you know, Kobe Allman was, was genuinely. Uh, and I don't mean to make it sound like he was excited that Tristan's hurt because he isn't but he was he was excited to see Ante Zizic get a chance again mm-hmm. and after failing, falling flat on his face the first time he got a chance earlier this year we have to give him credit, he played alright yeah. um, if he could play like that against better teams then they don't need to make a move um, now that's asking a lot, that's a lot of assumption there um, but they want to see how this plays out, I mean there's no deadline to make to, to sign somebody. You just have to do it by the end of the regular season. They've done this on the final day of the regular season twice mm-hmm. with Dante Jones, and, and and then they also did it with Eddie Tavares. So, you know, there's plenty of time to do this. See how this works out. See what happens with Tristan, um,
1: and go from there. But to my knowledge, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this. Um, oh, I will. Any anybody anybody that they sign. Um, could not currently be on an NBA roster, right? Correct. Okay.
0: That was the, yeah, that is that is the deadline, but that that is for the team that's releasing the play. Yes. Um. You know, the Cavs
1: are not in that position. That makes sense. This one comes from NY Buckeyes. He says, um, After last night's good game and with Tristan Hurting, do you expect to see Ante Zizic get more and more action in the next couple of weeks? Yes I would agree um, And I think you brought it up uh, The changes that he has made for his game Going down to Canton um, And working every single day Busting his butt with Vitaly Every single day um, I think you sh- you saw a little bit of the evidence Of that last night against Detroit He He didn't look overwhelmed And I thought the first time he got an opportunity He looked overwhelmed Absolutely I
0: mean, listen the first time he got an opportunity was a start against the Sixers. Yep. It was in early December. And it went so badly. In five minutes, the Cavs were down by 10. They pulled Zizich, didn't play the rest of the game, played two minutes in their next game against the Hawks, which they also won, kind of going away. And, uh, he didn't play again for like 20 games. Like, yep. didn't play at all. Um, like basically kind of vanished to the G League. So, he went down there, and credit to him and credit to the Cavs' development people, um, he came back better, and that, you know, that, that speaks volumes for the G League and for the Cavs' developmental staff, and, and, you know, for this idea of expanding the G League, which is a different conversation, but it's on a lot of people's minds, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that was really good. I, I hope for Ziz's sake and for the G League stake that
1: this continues. Kevin says, when love comes back, anyway Jr. goes to the bench, we start love, Nance, LeBron, George Hill, and Rodney Hood.
0: Well, um, you know, you and I have talked about this before, and and, and I think the answer is yes, there's a chance. I I agree. I I think, I don't know if it was the last podcast or two podcasts ago, we kind of talked about this very thing where um, they they, they wouldn't just introduce Rodney into the starting lineup with the idea that they were going to kick him out when Kevin came back. So I think um, you know, JR is in some kind of rut right now. He's been, he was held scoreless until last night. Yes, a couple games ago, he scored 19, but it was all in the second half. He was shut out in the first half of that game. His previous games were bad. He threw stupid Damon Jones. You know, whether or not Damon was guilty as well, I'm sure he was. Um, but, you know, it's been a rough time for JR. And if Rodney Hood catches fire, uh, you've got a chance there. So I think there is a
1: chance to that. Sean says, "Who do you think is better equipped to start with Love and LeBron, Nance Jr. or Tristan Thompson?" He goes on to say, "The offense seems to flow much better with Nance in the lineup, and it appears uh, he can free things up for Love when he comes back."
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, you would say Nance. Um, you know, yep. the, that that threesome of Nance, LeBron, and Rodney Hood just dominated uh, the other night. Yep. I mean, they were they were much quicker than than the Pistons and. Nick Drummond, um, whose numbers were fine, like he just didn't make much of an impact and you know, you had those three three calves just kind of zipping around all over the
1: place. And I just think nowadays in the NBA, Joe, it is very, very difficult to run any lineup when one of those guys is not a legitimate offensive scoring threat. And there mm-hmm. are things that Tristan Thompson can do well, but his limitations offensively I think that just gives a break to a defense that when Larry Nance Jr. is out there, not saying that he's Kevin Love, not saying he's Channing Frye, but the threat of him being able to make those shots from the mid-range and the threat of him rolling to the basket and using his athleticism for high lobs, he's just more of an offensive threat. And the Cavs have been at their best when they've got five offensive threats on the court at the same time.
0: Well, I mean, that's, there's no question about that, Chris. And then the other thing is, if you think about where Christian was the most successful uh, during his time here, yep. it was when, I mean, you had Kyrie, yep. Kevin, and LeBron. Yep. Um, you know, Kyrie's not coming back. Uh, <laughs> and a player like that is not on this team. And so they kind of, like going back to what you said, they need, they need that scoring option. Yes. Um, and, and Larry Nance, I mean, he's not going to score 22 a night, but he's getting a lot of room to work here. And so far he has been, um, he has shown to have a, you know, more complete offensive game than Tristan has. And since you don't have that killer number two scorer in Kyrie, um, you know, you, you can use a guy that can put the ball in the hole. So that, that would be Nance.
1: All right, um, do you have time for one more? Yeah. All right, so this one comes in. What do you make of Chris Sheridan's tweet today saying with certainty that LeBron will leave this summer and backing it up with having been right in 2014 and in other instances? The guy wants to know, does he have inside knowledge or is this just posturing by him? Did you see his tweet, well, by the way?
0: No, I didn't. Um, you know, he he did this... Uh, he, he did the same thing over the summer.
1: Yes, in August. So, You're right. You
0: know, I mean, whatever. I, 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 um, I, I do not. Uh, I, I, I am supremely confident that he, um, that whoever whomever he's talking to is is not, you know, among the, um, you know, the inner circle for LeBron. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, beyond that. Um, I'm just not in the business of doing this. I'm just not in the business of, of you know disparaging other reporters and and whatnot. I mean, he. I don't believe he currently. Um, I, I I don't believe that he is currently em- employed by someone else as a reporter in our league. But sure. he's he's had a long career, uh, certainly doing that and and worked for some at some great stops as the Associated Press and ESPN. So. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I, you know, there's been lots of conversations with, um, all the guys close to LeBron, including LeBron, um, in which there's no, no, no uh, um, suggestion that, that, that decision has been made or, or even that it's more likely that he leaves than doesn't leave. So okay. to say with a hundred percent certainty, um, that would almost have to be like Dan Gilbert telling him that in no way will I bring back the greatest player of all time, which I've had several conversations with people close to Dan who have said that he would not say that, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Um, you know, I, I mean, there's a lot more, there's many more fish to fry um, between now and July 1 before we get to that.
1: So I think that's true, and I think that's fair, but but I want to talk about Philadelphia in particular. Because they had the billboards, and it's not team-related. The 76ers didn't do this. It was a company based in Philadelphia. They had the billboards in Cleveland. They're going to be up for about three months. Um, The Cavs recently played the 76ers, where Embiid looked great, Simmons looked great, the Sixers won. The Sixers are a team that's in playoff contention right now. Um, They're probably going to make it to the playoffs unless they completely collapse or something crazy happens at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. Uh, Ben Simmons is somebody that LeBron considers a protege. Uh, He obviously shares the same agent with him and Rich Paul. Because Rich Paul has Ben Simmons... He now has an understanding of the inner workings of the 76ers organization. He's got relationships with people within the 76ers organization. Brett Brown is considered a very good head coach. Um, so when you combine all of those things into the mix, do you think Philly and LeBron is a real possibility in the offseason? It just doesn't
0: seem so um, because... <laughs> It just doesn't seem like he would be going to another uh, miserable weather city um, <laughs> that where he has no time. Yeah. He, he has no time. Um, the, the roster, as you mentioned, is in excellent shape uh, if you were to have someone like LeBron. Um, yep. you know, uh, I, I mean, I don't know that LeBron has access to John V's medical reports. Um, that guy is is awesome. He's a freak. Uh, he's a total baller, but um, he's got real back and knee issues, and it's unclear how long he's going to be able to make it yeah. in this league. And and that's important with a lot of Sixers people. Um, so does LeBron want to hang his hat um, on that nail? You know, going the, the out there like it's kind of like the only piece that that is is that they, they have an intriguing roster. Yep.
1: Um,
0: you know. In Cleveland, I mean, he obviously has virtual autonomy within the organization. Um, He he has, uh, you know, immense ties, obviously, to the community and to the team and to the city and his birthright and all that. Um, You know, are they going to the finals right now? Maybe. Um, But if they do, you know, then that's four straight uh, with Cleveland, you know, I don't know that you break that string to go to another team in the Eastern Conference. I just have a hard time with it. Um, And then in in L.A., you know, uh, the roster, as of this moment, the rosters there are challenging. Mm -hmm. But um, he's got home there. He's got businesses there. The weather's great. um, You know, everybody wants to live there. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense. That makes sense. And then... Even, you know, the Rockets, where I, I don't believe LeBron has a personal, like, affinity for the city, like, living there, but, you know, they've got a great roster set up, they have a chance to beat the Warriors, um, and it's in the Western Conference, the weather's better, and so, like, that would make more sense to me. I just, um, yes, there are some things that are should be intriguing to him from Philadelphia, but at the end, I just don't see that.
1: Richard Jefferson said the other night when we talked to him, nobody knows, nobody saw Miami coming. Uh, not a ton of people saw Cleveland coming when it happened, uh, maybe in the future, but when it happened, the timing of it, not a lot of people saw that coming either. So obviously things can change. There might be a team that nobody is thinking about that just appeals to LeBron. Um, or there's something that a team does in the off season prior to free agency that that paves the way for him going somewhere else. But, but as of now, how many realistic options do you think there are for him besides Cleveland?
0: I mean, a few, you know, I I think there there are very few. And I think that that had a lot to do with LeBron being so upset about pushing them to make the moves that they made. Gotcha. Um, You know, just because he knows that his options aren't, aren't great. Um, And that, you know, and I also think that that there's a a large part of him that that wanted to find a way to stay in Mm -hmm. Cleveland. And, you know, it remains to to be seen if what they did at the trade deadline was good enough, but it was certainly um, a a strong effort uh, to to try to pave the way for his return. So, you know, the, the Cavs are in a better spot than they were a month ago, I can tell you.
1: Is Miami a realistic option?
0: Um... I don't know. I I don't know. I I, I, don't, know. I, I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, they, you know, they have some things. They have again, you know, weather uh, familiarity. Um, you know, I think there's some more. I think there's some challenges there, roster wise, uh, yeah. that he may not want to deal with again. Uh, but so yeah, I mean, the, 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 you know, the, like I, I wouldn't dismiss them out of hand.
1: Mm-hmm. Houston.
0: Well, I already said they were. Okay. That was a good, uh, they, they, were, they had pieces. Uh, San-
1: All right, I'm
0: boarding. My goodness.
1: Last one San Antonio, realistic or no? I don't think so. Okay.
0: And I'll tell you why. I don't know that, that Pop wants to coach LeBron, and I don't know that LeBron wants to play for Pop. And I mean, again, you know, listening to Rodney Hood talk about the differences between Utah and Cleveland, and he's talking about how in Cleveland what they do is match up age. That is because that allows LeBron to take advantage of whomever he's playing against at all times. He's not encumbered by a system. Um, LeBron, at this stage in his career, is going to want to go to a system and have to fit into a a piece and and have to butt heads with a Hall of Famer like Popovich, which is definitely what would happen. Um, So I, I don't see that.
1: All right, buddy. Safe travels. We'll talk soon. Thanks, brother. All right.